0: I want you to take your Bibles tonight and turn to Nehemiah chapter 8 in your your Bibles, Nehemiah chapter 8. And I want to talk to you about this subject, Thanksgiving equals Thanksgiving. And so, Nehemiah chapter 8 tonight in your Bibles, and when you find your place, uh, why don't we stand and stretch our legs and also stand out of respect for the reading of of God's Word. And I I want to read the whole chapter is so good but for the sake of time we won't do that tonight we're going to skip down to verse number 13 and we'll read verses 13 through 17 tonight Nehemiah chapter number 8 and look at verse number 13 the Bible says and on the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of all the people the priests and the Levites unto Ezra the scribe even to understand the words of the law And they found written in the law which the Lord had commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month and that they should publish and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem saying, go forth under the mountain, fetch olive branches and pine branches and myrtle branches and palm branches and branches of thick trees to make booths as it is written... So the people went forth and brought them and made themselves booths, everyone upon the roof of his house and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the street of the water gate and in the street of the gate of Ephraim. And all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booths and sat under the booths, for since the days of Yeshua the son of Nun, Unto that day had not the children of Israel done so, and there was very great gladness. Now we, we read this and we think, what in the world is the Bible talking about there? Well, I hope I can um, sort of unpack it for you where it makes a lot of sense tonight. And this is really a beautiful, beautiful piece of scripture that we read tonight. And so Thanksgiving equals thanks giving. Be seated if you will. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer and we'll jump right into the Bible study tonight. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege to be back at the Lord's house tonight. And Lord, it really is a privilege. And we just thank you for all the music. We thank you for the singing. Everything that we've done tonight, Lord, ties into the message that I'm a, I'm about to bring to your people. And so Lord, I, I as I was looking back over the message today and just Uh, And Lord, you know, you had laid uh, a brand new message on my heart today and something that I'd worked on in the study. And and I really thought about bringing that message tonight. But Lord, I believe this message that I'm getting ready to give your people, I believe this is definitely the perfect will of God. And so Lord, I pray that you'll knit our hearts together. I'm sure we're cumbered about many things. Lord, we're uh, thinking about things that have happened today, work, school, homework, supper, a lot of things. But Lord, I pray just for a few moments, though, that we'll tune all of that out. And I pray that we'll get what you have for us tonight. Lord, bless in this service, bless the live stream as it reaches out. And Lord, all that's done, I pray, will honor Christ and glorify Him. And so, Lord, help us now, please. We love you and ask you for your power and your fullness and filling of the Spirit of God. And we thank you and praise you for all that you do. For we ask these things in Christ's name and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. Well, the book of Nehemiah is an interesting, it is an interesting, interesting story. Let me give you a little background here. The Israelites uh, who have been in captivity for many, many years have finally been allowed to return home to Jerusalem. In the passage that we read tonight, it is the seventh month, and a massive crowd has gathered to hear the Word of God read. They've just come out to the street, and they're standing. They're not seated in a pew. They don't have a roof over their heads, much like what we saw tonight. They're just standing in the street, And as they hear the word of God read, it reminds them of what God did for them. And how he brought them out from under Egyptian bondage. It also, don't miss this. It also reminds them of what they're supposed to be doing to commemorate the goodness of God. Let me show it to you. Look at Nehemiah chapter 8 and look at verse number 14. The Bible says, and they found, here they are listening to the law. They've been in captivity for many years. They've come back together again, and they're, they're listening to the law being read. And verse number 14, and they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in booths. I've got that underlined, should dwell in booths in the feast of the, of the seventh month. So, so they, they come to this service, and the, the law, uh, it, wasn't, it didn't look like this. It was no doubt a scroll, probably a very large scroll. And it was kept in some kind of a protective container. And so uh, they bring it out of this protective container. They, they unroll the scroll. They begin to read this to the people of God. And it tells them that they're supposed to be celebrating a festival of booths. And somebody says, what in the world? Pastor, what, what is that all about? Well, it's what we know is the Feast of the Tabernacles. It's mentioned in four books of the law. Exodus chapter 23. Leviticus chapter 23, Numbers chapter 29, and Deuteronomy chapter 16. It's also called the Feast of the Ingathering. It was on the eighth, it was an eight-day agricultural festival that began on the 15th day of the seventh month during the grain and the grape harvest. You say, Pastor, does that have anything to do with me today? Hang on, because it has a lot to do with you. The idea behind the Feast of the Tabernacles was to remind the people of God where they used to be. It was a time that reminded them of a time, another time in the past, when they had very, very little. You see, there was a time in the life of the Israelites where they didn't enjoy the comforts of a home like you have. And by the way, it was a time that reminded them Of a time when they didn't have a home like they had right then. And so there was a time in the life of the Hebrew people that they lived in tents and shelters. As God had brought them out of Egypt. And so when they would erect these temporary booths during this Feast of the Tabernacles. And they would sit in these these makeshift booths. And most of them were on the top of their homes. And even still to this day... Pretty much all the homes in Israel are flat they 're all flat they 're not they don 't have uh, roofs like we do in, in America and so they would go up on the top of their homes and they would build these little lean tos, a little shanty, a little covering, a booth, if you will, and they would sit under this booth for eight days. They would have this celebration under these booths and what they were doing is this: as they sat in these booths, they were purposely thinking about where God had brought them from. That's what it was about. It's, it, it would be like our, okay, it would be like our communion, our, our Lord's table. When we partake of the Lord's table, we are thinking back to that time when Christ came and died on the cross for us and shed his blood. As they sat under these booths in their, in their home or on the top of their home, they were thinking about a time when they didn't have a place. They didn't have a well. They didn't have a home. They didn't have beds to sleep in. They just had a tent or, uh, or maybe some, just something over their head. And so here's my point. When the Israelites purposely set a goal to be thankful, they automatically became thankful. Look at it in your Bibles. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse number 17, the Bible says, And all the congregation of them that were coming in out of the captivity made booths and sat under the booths. For since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, under that day, or Joshua, the son of Nun, under that day, had not the children of Israel done so. And there was very great gladness. And so, again, this is a wonderful, wonderful truth that if we miss it, we're going to miss a great truth. As they are celebrating this festival, this, this festival the whole idea is to make the children of Israel look back to a time when they had just come out of Israel and they were making their way through the wilderness and they didn't have a whole lot. God brought them out of a bondage of slavery. And so this was a time when they thought back to that. And as they thought back to that, it made them thankful. Now, you say, preacher, what were some things that encouraged the Israelites during this time that encouraged the Israelites to be thankful. And boy, the other day I was reading through this passage and God began to speak to my heart. And I want to share some of these things with you if I could. How about this? Number one, I noticed this. First of all, I noticed they included themselves in a spiritual service. Now, this spiritual service that they were involved in in Nehemiah's day was a lot like our service. In fact, some of the things that we do in our service, they did in their service. And so, look if you will at Nehemiah chapter eight and look at verse number three, Nehemiah eight verse three. And I'll give you to, the, I'll give this to you quickly. And so, don't be worrying about the time. Make sure you get what God has for you tonight. Nehemiah eight verse three. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday. And so, from the morning until midday, he's reading the law before the men and the women. And those that could understand. And so evidently there were some who were not necessarily in those service. Those that couldn't really understand. We have a nursery here at Calvary Baptist Church. Same idea. And so before the men and the women and those that could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive under the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood. Well that sounds familiar. Uh, We call this a a pulpit, a platform. And they had built a a pulpit uh, to... Uh, to get Ezra up above the people so they could see him and hear him better. Verse 4 And Ezra, the scribe, stood upon a pulpit of wood which they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Manasseh and Shema, and Ananiah and Uriah and Hilkiah and Messiah on his right hand. And on his left hand, Badeiah and Mishael, Malchiah, Hashem, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshullam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was above all the people, and when he opened it, look at this, all the people, what they do? All the people stood up. Uh, sometimes people say, preacher, why do we uh, stand up? when we read the Word of God. And by the way, you don't have to. There's nothing that says you have to do that. But one of the reasons we do it is because they did it that way. And so as the Word of God was being read, the people stood up. Now I want you to notice tonight, Calvary, that these folks are involved in a very spiritual service. And here's my point that I want to make. When the people of God made a choice, a personal choice, to include themselves in this this spiritual service, guess what happened? It made them thankful. And when they became thankful, guess what happened? They became thankful. Now, can I tell you, can I tell you why we have lost touch with a wonderful, wonderful Lord? And he is wonderful, by the way. He is amazing. He's almighty. He's Alpha and Omega. I'm telling you what, he is. He is Prince of Peace, and the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. And uh, there uh, Hannah said that there is none holy as the Lord, uh, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. He is a great God. But can I tell you why a lot of people have lost touch with this great God? And not just people, but a lot of, a lot of saved people. Can I tell you why? Because we have lost touch with his church. You see one of the purposes of the church is to bring you in and to make you think. To make you think about things and as you become as you become thankful, guess what happens? You become thankful. Now, let me tell you a little something about the church. And I and boy I hope that folks are watching. the way have live stream tonight. And 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 by the way there are some people there are some people who have to watch by live stream. We know we know, we understand that, don't we? Uh, Some folks listen are sick some folks are afflicted and they just they have to watch by live stream and I get it Uh, Some of our good people have to but I want to say tonight if you don't have to watch by live stream You ought to be sitting right here Nothing takes the place of the real thing And and I want to tell you a little something about this place called church Did you know the church is not necessarily a place where we're supposed to learn new things all the time. But rather, it's a place where we're reminded of important things that make us thankful. You see, the job of the pastor is not necessarily to teach you something new. And so, you come to a service like this, and and, uh, if we're not careful, sometimes we'll walk out and we'll say, well, you know what, I should have just stayed home because I already knew that. Are you kidding me? You should be here. If the preacher preaches on salvation for four solid Sundays, you ought to be here. If all I do is get up here and preach the gospel for four Sundays in a row, you ought to be here. Why? Because church is not a place necessarily that has been made to teach you something brand new that you don't know. Church is a place where we come and where the pastor stands before us and he reminds us of things that we already know. And as we get reminded of those things, guess what happens? We become thankful. It reminds us to think. And as we become thankful, guess what happens? We become thankful. Oh, listen to me! Whatever you do, don't ever, don't ever stay out of the house of oh, God, man. Oh man, I want to preach that point right there for about thirty minutes. Uh, that's so many people, and and already because of COVID, we have uh, we have suffered some casualties of people who got out uh, and uh, and said, well, we can't go to church because of COVID, and uh, but we can go to the seafood place, and we can go to McDonald's, and we can go to Walmart, and we can go to Target, and we can go. Uh to Rice Fund and we can go uh, uh, all these other places, but we can't go to the house of God. I'm going to tell you, my dear friend, what we better do is we better be- get back to God's house because you say, well, pastor, I came, you know, two Sundays in a row and you preached the message and it was okay and everything, but you know what? I didn't really learn anything. I didn't know. That's okay. You need to come so you can be reminded of things that you already know. And as you're reminded of those things, it makes you think. And as you think, you become thankful. Did you know the Apostle Peter, the Apostle Peter said that it was his calling to just remind people of things. Yeah. Now I want you to hold your place in the MIA because we're going right back there in a minute. But I want you to turn over because I, I think it would be good for your eyes to see these verses. Turn over to 2 Peter chapter number 1. So here's the great Apostle Peter. One of the most famous of all the Apostles. And notice what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 12. Second Peter chapter 1 verse number 12. Peter says, wherefore, he said, I will not be negligent to put you always in what? In remembrance of these things, though you know them. He said, church, you already know. But he said, I'm not going to be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them. And be established in the present truth. Do you know why some Christians aren't established? Because they're not taking the time to be reminded of things that they already know. Now skip down one verse. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse number 13. Now if daddy says something once, that's important. But if daddy says something twice, that's really important. 2 Peter 1 verse 13. Yay! Peter said, I think it meet necessary. As long as I'm in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in what? By putting you in. Do you know why some Christians aren't stirred up? They've not remembered in a long time. I mean, I'm preacher, one of these days, I'm going to get back in the house of God. One of these days, I'm going to come back. Oh, listen to me. What you better do is you better batten down the hatches. And one way or another, brother, you better make sure you get it. Will you say, Pastor, my, my tire was flat. Then you hang glide in if you have to or parachute in. But one way or another, make sure that you get to the house of God. You say, wow, preacher, calm down. Why are, you getting so, why are you getting so excited? Because I'm sick and tired of seeing so many Christians fall by the wayside, no longer serving God, have no heart for the things of the Lord, following the ways of the world. The devil is ransacking their homes and ruining their children and tearing up their homes. Hey, it's time to get back to the house of God. Look what he says. Skip down a verse or two. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 15. Peter said, moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in what? Always in remembrance. Skip over a page. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 1. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 1. And here comes Peter again, and he says, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. In other words, Peter said, church, it's not my job to teach you something brand spanking new all the time. It's my job as your pastor who loves you and cares for you as you come together. It's my job to remind you often of things that you already know. And as you're reminded of those things, you become thankful. And as you become thankful, you become thankful. And God does something great uh, in your heart. Listen, when you faithfully attend the house of God, you're reminded of some." Things. what do you mean pastor well this last sunday morning we were reminded of the glorious gospel and boy it was good i've been preaching now for over for over 30 years and i'm gonna tell you what that was that was high octane sunday morning you say preach you ever heard about justification heard about it and preached about it taught about it but it was fresh all over again As he talked about that ministry of reconciliation, I'm going to say, I don't know about anybody else. I'm not sure. I just know one thing. I was sitting right here on this front row, my heart was doing uh, somersaults, and man, it was just leaping out. And I was thinking, man, man, I'm so blessed because I'm reconciled. Hey, now I'm glad I was in my place. Why? Because I got reminded of the importance of reconciliation. When you come to the house of God, you're reminded of some things. You're reminded of the glorious gospel. You're reminded of the, good, of the goodness of God, as we sang tonight. You're reminded when you come to the house of God that you're not the only one struggling. Yes, sir. Has no smutty face ever come to you and said, you're the only one? Everybody else has it together. You're the only one struggling. I hate to tell you this your marriage is the only one having problems. Everybody else is just happy as they being. be and your marriage is the only one. Uh, you'll, you'll, you know, the devil will come to you and he'll say, boy, I hate to tell you, but you're not going to make it. I don't think you're going to make it. And then you do this. I mean, you, you are so low, spiritually speaking, emotionally speaking. I mean, you're at home and you're thinking, I don't want to go to church. And the devil says, That's right. You shouldn't go if I was feeling as bad as you are, I would go either because you're not going to make it anyway, and you're the only one having problems, and these problems are so big i don 't think you, i don't think there's any way you can dig your way out of it and so you sit there in the easy chair, and the devil says, "Just turn the television on well that's a, that's a good piece of advice. Turn the television on, and let 's watch you know." Okay, I'm not going to preach that message tonight. But anyway, just stay home. And the Holy Ghost says, you better get up. But I don't feel like going. And the Holy Spirit says, whether you feel like going or not, you better go. And you say, but Lord, I got a sniffle. And the Holy Spirit says, you can blow your nose at church just as good as you can blow your nose at home. But I've got a little bit of a headache. Well, you can have a little bit of a headache at the house of God just as good as you can have a little bit of headache at home. And so you don't want to, but you get out of that easy chair. And maybe you can't, maybe maybe you got to crawl. Maybe you got to crawl into the house of God. And you finally get in here. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God gets to work. And then the choir gets to sing. And somebody gets to playing an instrument. And somebody sings a special. And the preacher gets up and begins to preach. And, and the Holy Spirit says, hey, you're not the only one having problems. And you're going to make it. You're going to make it. I know you've got some problems, but I'm the problem solver. And I know you've got some valleys, but I'm the lily of the valley. I want to tell you what, I'm the rose of Sharon. I'm the balm of Gilead. And I'm going to bring you through. You're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And before you know it, man, your heart is is rejoicing. Why? I'll tell you why. Because you got reminded of some things and you became thankful. And when you became thankful, you became thankful. Thankful. Man, that is so true. You ever had one of them days? You ever had one of them days where you were blue and you didn't know why? You ever had one of those days where your spirit wasn't right and you weren't exactly sure why? It never happened to me. Well, pray for the rest of us. (laughs) It happened to me just the other day. And I had to make this confession. What happened to me on a Sunday. You say, what'd you do? I did what I knew I was supposed to do. I got in my truck and came to church. But my spirit wasn't right. Miss Tammy and I had not, we had not had a disagreement. There wasn't any, anything necessarily that had happened. I just, my spirit wasn't Right. And I remember, I didn't say anything to anybody, but I remember coming to the service. And I'm thinking, Lord, my spirit's not right. What's wrong with my spirit? I need to get, I need to get my spirit right. I came and I taught the Sunday school class that day. And we had a good class, but my spirit wasn't right. He said, what'd you do? I just did what I knew to do. I stayed here. 11 o'clock rolled around. We started the service. Choir got ready to sing. My spirit wasn't right. I walked down off the platform like I normally do and sat right over here in this little front row of this section and the choir started singing. Do you hear what I said? I said the choir started singing. And the Holy Spirit started fanning the flame. And I was sitting right over here and I could feel, I could feel ministry coming. I could feel my heart getting ministered to. I could feel... I could feel healing in my spirit. I, I could feel my spirit getting better. I could feel my, my spirit. Yes, sir, brother. Oh, yes. I'm about to shout myself down tonight. I could feel my spirit uh, getting healing and getting help. You know why? Because as the choir sang, they were reminding me of some things that I to be thankful of. And as I became thankful, guess what happened? I became thankful. And man, when you get really thankful, guess what happens? Satan has to flee. You say, Pastor, what made these people? What made them thankful? Number one, we notice here they were they included themselves in a spiritual service. Number two, quickly, quickly. Number two, I noticed something else. I noticed they involved themselves in the spiritual service. Now turn back to Nehemiah eight. Nehemiah chapter eight. Look at verse number three. These words are important. Number one, they included themselves in the spiritual service. If you're watching the live stream tonight and you're not providentially hindered, you need to start including yourself in the service. You say, Pastor, you're talking to me, I'm talking directly to you tonight. It's time to include yourself in the service. And by the way, we can all make excuses, they come a dime a dozen. But how many know this? You'll do what you want to do. And if you want to fish, you'll fish. And if you want to play golf, you'll play golf. And if you want to come to church, you'll come to church. And so they included themselves in a spiritual service. Number two, they involved themselves in the spiritual service. Look in the chapter 8, verse number 3. The Bible says in verse 3, and he, and he read therein before the street that was before the water gate, from the morning until midday, before the men and the women... And those that could understand, look at this, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. Now, when I read that, even today when I read that, you know what it tells me? It tells me they were involved in the service. Can I use this word? They were engaged. We use that word. Brother Brandon and I, we use that word. We want people to be engaged in the service. You know, if you want to mow your yard, you may be a John Deere fan or uh, um, what's the, uh, what is it, Brother Allen? Kubota. You might be a Kubota fan. Or you might be Bobcat. I mean, you know, you say, Pastor, I spent 10 grand on this mower. But let me tell you something about that mower. It's not going to mow the grass until you engage The blade. You can run all over that yard, but until you engage the blade, you're not going to cut a blade of grass. Look at Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 5. Oh, this is good, church. This is good. Nehemiah 8, verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And we didn't read this part a while ago. Verse 6. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen. Amen. With lifting up their hands and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. I know sometimes people come to our service and, and, and they'll see somebody raise their hand and we have a question. And they'll look at that and they'll think, man, that's odd. No, that's not odd, it's biblical that's not odd it's normal did you hear what i said it's normal churches that are dead and lifeless and nobody says amen and nobody ever raises a hand and nobody ever worships are not normal you want to go to a normal church you're in a normal church right now where people say amen and people say hallelujah and people say glory and people raise a hand or wave a hanky and say god is good hey that's normal Look, if you will, at Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 16. And the Bible says, So the people went forth and brought them and made themselves booths. They brought limbs and brought them and made themselves booths. Everyone upon the roof of his house and in their courts, and in the courts of the house of God and the street of the water gate and the street of the, of the gate of Ephraim and all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booths and sat under the booths for since the days of Yeshua, the son of Nun, unto that day had not the children of Israel done so. And there was a very great gladness. You know what I got out of that? These people were not spectators. They were participators. Now I would just ask us tonight, what kind of tater are you? You say, say what, preacher? What kind of tater are you? You see, there's all kind of taters in the church. There's imitators. And that's not all bad, but they're just good imitating. And sometimes they imitate on Sunday, but then they don't live it on Monday. And then there's hesitators. Oh, brother, I pastored a lot of those in 30 years. One of these days, (laughs) man, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that. One of these days, preacher, one of these days we're going to get in there. One of these days I'm going to teach a class. One of these days I'm going to sing in the choir. Hesitators. Then Then there's rotators. They're in and out, here and there, up and down. Never know when they'll, when they'll be there. Then there's dictators. We've had a few of those. They feel like they've got to call all the shots and be involved in every single decision. Then there's agitators. Those people who feel like they, uh, they love to see people upset about trivial things. And then there's meditators. Those people that, that overthink things possibly too much. Well, I don't know about Brother Wabiru. You sure you want to give this missionary that serves in a nation like this, you sure you want to give him 50 bucks a month? No, I'm not sure. I'd rather give him more. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's rotten taters. They mean nothing but trouble. And don't mind killing the spirit of a service. And every once in a while, some of those will come. Then there's irritators. Those who love to cause irritation between church members. And then there's commentators. They they just love to talk about things. And then there's spectators. They they just want to watch. And thank God, then there's some sweet taters. (laughs) Aren't you glad you came to get this deep truth tonight? (laughs) You know who I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for the participators. (laughs) Those folks who don't come and just watch. Those folks who come and say, what do I need to do, preacher? What can we do? It don't have to be singing in the choir. It don't have to be playing an instrument. Is there a handy broom? You have a dustpan? Does the commode need to be cleaned? You say, Pastor, I would never stoop so low. Let me tell you something. Do you know what a privilege it is to clean a commode in the house of God? You know what? Some of our maintenance team are probably going to get some of the biggest rewards in glory one day. As God says, Gabriel, back the truck up! Beep, 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 beep. God unloads all those rewards and we're going to say, Lord, what in the world? What?" And God's going to say, remember that time when you vacuumed the carpet and nobody was there? Remember the time when the Toilet was plugged and you unplugged it. Remember the time when the glass had fingerprints? Oh, we're having a good time in the house of God tonight. When there was fingerprints on the window and nobody asked you to do it, you just went and got some Windex and you just, you just wiped it off. God said you're going to get a reward for that. They involved themselves. Involvement. And then last of all, we're done. Number three, I noticed they interrupted, wow, what an important word. They interrupted their daily routine for spiritual service. Did y'all see that tonight? Look at Nehemiah chapter 8. Look at verse number 13. This is good. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse number 13 says, And on the second day. <laughs> so they already been at it one day. And this is the second day. And on the second day we're gathered together, the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests, the Levites unto Ezra the uh, the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. And they found written in the law, which the Lord commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in booze in the feast of the seventh month, and that they should publish and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, go forth unto the mount, fetch all the branches, pine branches, myrtle branches, palm branches, and branches of thick trees, to make booze as it is written. I love verse 16. (laughs) So the people went forth. And brought them and made themselves booze. Everyone upon the roof of his house and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and the street of the water gate and in the street of the gate of Ephraim. These people were willing to allow God to totally disrupt their normal schedule. Did y'all see that? Do you know why most people, most people, fail to serve God. And because they fail to serve God, they don't become thankful. And because they're not thankful, they never become thankful. And you know why most people don't serve the Lord? I mean, we might as well tell it like it is tonight, church. You know why? Most people are not willing to let God interrupt their life. There are millions of them across America tonight whose churches are having a prayer meeting, having a service on a Wednesday night, and they didn't come. You know why? I'm too busy. Oh, you're too busy for the Lord? We'll let that one simmer. We're not willing to let God, the God of gods, interrupt our life. Hey, Calvary, it's why we need Sunday school. It's why we need youth activities. It's why we need special services. It's why we need revivals and conferences and retreats and prayer meetings and ladies' meetings and men's fellowships. You know why? Because we're giving God an opportunity to interrupt our life. God, I'm so busy. I've got this to do and I've got a family and I've got a wife and I've got a job and I've got... These things, but, but you know what, Lord, I love you so much that if you want to interrupt my life, I'm willing to let you do that. And as God interrupts our life, it gives him an opportunity to make us thankful. And when we become thankful, we become thankful. We're done tonight. Old story. You've heard it many times. It's not true. It's a little fable. A man was going through a deep dark forest one day and he came to some barns that were vast and overwhelming. It was the seed barns of Satan. And Satan came out and he was so proud of his barns and the barns were large. They were the seeds of... That the devil used us to sow in the lives of Christians. One barn had the seeds of temptation. Another barn had the seeds of resentment. Another barn had the seeds of unforgiveness. And as the devil was giving this person a tour, they came to a, a barn that was larger than any of the other barns. And the person said to the devil, he said, Man, what is this barn? And Satan got a grin. And he said, this is my favorite barn." He said, these are my favorite seeds to sow. And the person said, what are these seeds? And he said, they are the seeds of discouragement. And then he said this, they will grow almost anywhere. And the person said, almost. And Satan said, there's one place. That the seeds of discouragement will never grow. They'll never grow in the heart of a person who is thankful. Thankful. I found this little story. I'm going to read it to you so I get it just right. Because it spoke to me and I hope it will speak to you tonight. The brilliant Scottish writer Thomas Carlyle lived on a farm in Dumfrieshire, Which he called, quote, the loneliest nook in Britain. Each day he climbed a ladder to his attic where he worked until dark. His devoted wife, Jane, was left alone. One evening at dinner, Jane asked why he had never expressed appreciation for the food she lovingly prepared for him each night. Woman, Carlyle barked, must you be paid for everything you do? With that, he stamped off to his attic workshop. Years later, when his wife died, Carlisle found her diary. On tear-stained pages, he read this recurring refrain. These were her words. Oh, I wish you would say a kind word or give me a compliment now and then about the things I try to do to make you happy. Man. Man. I read that little story and I got under conviction. How often do we go through life and the Lord blesses us and we don't even take the time to stop and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. How often do we have somebody in our life that blesses us and yet we never take the time to stop and say, Thank you. Thank you for being such a blessing. Why, preacher? Why is that? I'll tell you exactly why. Because we don't take the time to be thankful. And because we're not thankful, we're not thankful. Well, let's bow our heads tonight. Father, I want to say thank you for this service that you have gave us tonight. And Father, you've reminded me all over again to be thankful. God, I'm blessed beyond measure. Lord, I I can't even fathom how blessed I am. God, you've been so good to me. I've got eyes that can see. I've got ears that can hear. I've got a tongue that can taste. Lord, I've got a Bible (laughs) to read. I've got stacks of them. They're beautiful. I've got a house to go home to tonight. It's going to be a chilly night. I've got heat. I've got a truck that's going to take me to the house. Lord, I've got family. I've got some of the greatest friends in the whole world. Lord, I get to pastor the greatest church in all of the world. Lord, I am blessed beyond measure. Father, would you forgive me for those times when I forget to be thankful? which causes me to be unthankful. Father, I pray that you'll bless in this invitation. And I pray that you'd speak to every heart. And uh, Lord, maybe you've uh, struck a chord in somebody's heart tonight about something or a decision that needs to be made. Tonight, I pray that they'll tiptoe down to this old-fashioned altar and do business with the Lord. Heavenly Father, may we leave with an attitude of gratitude. I pray that we will. Thank you for your goodness to us. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Hey, can I ask a question or two? How many are here tonight? You'd say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I know for sure I'd go to heaven. Not a shadow of any doubt. I know that I'm saved. And I can slip my hand up and let you know about that. And if that's you, just slip your hand up right now. Praise the Lord. Isn't that a blessing? You can lower your hands. Let me ask you this, though. Is there one here tonight, anywhere, who would say, Preacher, if I died tonight, I'm not sure I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? You'd slip your hand up right now. Preacher, remember me. If I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me tonight? I see that small hand. Is there another anywhere? Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Anybody else? Anybody else? I wonder if there's anybody here tonight would say, Pastor, I need prayer. I need to be more thankful so I can be more thankful. Somewhere along the line, the Lord was dealing with my heart about something right. and Pastor, I want you to pray for me about that. If that's you, just slip your hand up right now. So, Preacher, God was speaking. God was speaking. God was speaking. Yep, yep, amen, amen, amen. I'm going to raise my hand because God was speaking in my heart. I know that. So let's all stand all over the house tonight, if you would, and our heads are bowed. And as Brother Abel plays, listen, if there's somebody here tonight and there's a decision that you need to make, listen, the altar will be open for a moment, all right? I'm going to make my way to the main floor. If I can help you, if I can pray with you, if I can believe God with you, listen, you come tonight while we wait, you come.